I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Confessions of a Debut Novelist with me, your host, Chloe Timms. This week, I'm talking to Amy McCulloch about her thriller, Breathless. Breathless is Amy's first adult novel, but she's previously written for children and young adults, and before this was editorial director for Penguin Random House Children's Books. Amy is a Chinese white author, born in the UK, raised in Canada and now based in London, and in 2019 she became the youngest Canadian woman to climb Mount Manaslu in Nepal. In this episode, we talk about what writing a mountaineering have got in common, creating a big group of distinct characters, and the surprise of finding out who the killer will be through the process of writing. But first, here's Amy with an extract from Breathless. Breathe, Cecily. Cold air filled her lungs. It was strange. When she'd pictured breathing up here, she'd assumed it would feel like suffocating, choking, maybe, in a way, like drowning. But it didn't. She could feel the sting of the wind on a tiny bit of exposed skin on her cheek, between her buff and her sunglasses, and then a stronger gust against her body, threatening to bring her to her knees. The air was there. It just wasn't doing what it was supposed to. She was so tired. Her muscles struggled to work as she pushed through the snow. Not just her muscles. Her blood. Her lungs. Her brain. It was simple, really. There wasn't enough oxygen in the air, less than a third of what her body was used to. The altimeter on her watch read that she was still up over 8,000 metres, in the death zone. Her heart raced. She looked over her shoulder. Was he following? She stopped in her tracks. A hulking silhouette a few metres above her, his ponderous steps breaking fresh snow, stalking her, chasing her. But no. She blinked and realised it was only the shadow of a cloud on the mountainside. Without enough oxygen reaching her brain, not even her eyes could be trusted. So is he coming? Or is he waiting below? She didn't think it was possible for her heart to beat faster, but it did, galloping inside her chest. Her breath sped up too as she gulped down the thin air. She swooned, her head spinning. What did it matter if he was above or below her? Worry about him later. Worry about survival now. She moved as fast as her body would let her. A thousand metre drop was one misstep away. 
Meanwhile, phantom footsteps haunted her from behind. She had to get down the mountain, and she was going to have to do it on her own. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on today to talk about Breathless. Thanks so much, Chloe. It's great to be here. Can you start us off with giving us a brief summary about what Breathless is about? Sure. Breathless is an exhilarating, chilling, high-altitude thriller um, set on an extreme um, high-altitude base camp. So essentially, Breathless follows the story of struggling journalist Cecily Wong um, as she's given kind of the opportunity of a lifetime to interview a legendary mountaineer as he attempts to break a world record. He's trying to summit all 14 meters that are all 14 mountains that are higher than 8,000 meters um, in a record time, but while using no oxygen and no ropes called alpine style. But he gives her one caveat, and that's that he wants her to come to the mountain and summit alongside his team so that she can get kind of the real story of what goes behind mountain climbing. But when she arrives at this mountain, it's called Manaslu, it's the world's eighth highest mountain. Uh, There's a sort of series of deadly incidents that are kind of written off as part and parcel of the risks of of mountaineering. But uh, Cecily begins to suspect that maybe there's something more suspicious, more sinister behind these so-called accidents. And the higher they get, the deadlier, the more climb becomes until Cecily is on the run from potentially a murderer on the mountain (laughs) and when you told me the premise to begin with um when we spoke months ago and you were saying like a serial killer on a mountain I was just like such an incredible premise and it really lives up to that you know deadly environment deadly person and and it's really great I want to know um a little bit more about the inspiration behind the novel what you've made an amazing short film which I'm going to link in the show notes for listeners to go and watch and I think it's a a great little teaser about Um, your writing process and the idea behind the novel and I know it's quite a personal parts of it are personal to you can you describe kind of the inspiration behind the novel yeah definitely um yes as you said I I made a short film because I actually uh have sort of had an interest in mountaineering for the past four years and um, that led me all the way to this mountain Manaslu which is the world's eighth highest mountain as I said before Um, and so I had my own kind of first taste of death zone air as they call it the rarefied air above 8,000 meters Um, but while I was there I just couldn't help but think what a perfect setting the kind of the mountain and one of these base camps whether it's sort of Manaslu or Everest these kind of big um, expedition base camps were for Thriller because you have the isolation of the setting, you know, the inherent dangers of the, of the nature around you, so avalanche danger, crevasse danger, the weather, uh, plus you have these big, big personalities and lots of people who are kind of gathered together in quite a small place uh, away from any kind of authority figures as well. You know, there's no police nearby or any investigators nearby. So all I kept thinking as I was climbing was that, um, you know, if you wanted, if you had nefarious intentions or you wanted to cause someone harm, you could get away with it uh, and no one would be the wiser. Um, And that just seemed to me like the perfect thriller. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, definitely. It is like you say, that perfect setting because you've got all the elements against them and you've got like you say no one can hear you scream if you're if you're out there on your own I wondered whether you'd always had an interest in writing a kind of really high octane thriller or was that something that came from 
wanting to write about a story set on a mountain, but kind of wanting to make that environment even more deadly. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I've always been a huge lover of crime thriller novels, but I, um, you know, my previous writing experience has always been in children's and young adult. And then within that age group, I suppose I would always write science fiction and fantasy, to, um, which of course are kind of well known for having an amazing sense of place and, and a setting and a world that you have to build. And so, you know, when I was on the mountain uh, or some of my previous mountains before I got to Manazu, I was sort of thinking, you know, that there had to be a book in my mountaineering journey somehow. But initially I was actually leaning towards maybe writing an adult fantasy novel that was based in a kind of mountainous region or, or even a science fiction novel. I had this idea, the highest mountain on Mars is called Olympus Mons. And so I had this idea about maybe trying to write science fiction about mountain climbing, but it wasn't really until I got to this Manaslu base camp that I realized really what a perfect kind of thriller it was. Um, and uh, yeah, so I didn't sort of specifically set out to write a thriller, it just, that was just, where the story led me eventually. <laughs> and I know, and you've mentioned already, mountaineering is a huge love of yours. And you were the youngest Canadian woman to climb Manaslu. And so obviously it's incredibly familiar to you, but how did that, how did you feel approaching it to kind of write for an audience that maybe had no knowledge or experience, had never set foot on a mountain and maybe have no intention to uh, how did you find the kind of balance between imparting your knowledge of the mountain but also telling a really gripping story because it's quite detailed in in the level of uh equipment and the technical skill but also it's incredibly pacey as a thriller as well oh thank you uh yeah it was um well i think i benefited from the fact that although i mountaineering is a huge passion of mine now it's relatively new to my life I've, i'm not like a lifelong mountaineer climber um it was something i only climbed my first mountain summit in uh, 2018 so not that long ago uh but i also wanted to make sure that my main character you know sort of the, the eyes um through which the reader encounters the mountain and everything what was from a relative novice to mountaineering as well so i got to use uh cecily my main character as the sort of um the way into the Kind of more technical mountaineering because she's relatively new at it so she could learn at the same time as the reader mm. uh, and like i said because i've come from a kind of fantasy background uh i think i try to really use that to kind of build the world of the mountain for the reader so uh even if you'd never been to nepal before never set foot in in the mountains before you would get that image that impression in your mind um, and hopefully inhabit that world just for a little while yeah, it's a hugely evocative of kind of location, uh, the cold, the, the the whole environment. And I think even as someone I, you know, I've never I've never been to a mountain, but I, I think uh, it really captures that whole environment. And the, like I said, the, the level of technical detail really plants you in that environment with Cecily. Well, thank you. I, I did have to pare back a little bit because obviously when my editors were reading my editors had never been to a mountain either they're not mountaineers so it was interesting to from from my perspective to see what they took out um mm. or what they sort of suggested was too much and and actually it's quite funny because uh, although mountaineering is a quite high octane sport it's very you know it's an adrenaline it's an extreme sport 
but actually there's a lot of waiting around <laughs> in yeah. mountaineering there's a lot of like you know waiting for the weather to change you know seeing how um spending a lot of time at base camp kind of playing cards and you know reading and chatting and and those don't make for a particular pacey thriller so in <laughs> fact kind of speed up moments <laughs> you've used those really well to build the tension between your characters there's a little like wind pockets of time that you can uh start to kind of build the suspicion can't you that's right yes exactly and Cecily can have a chance to kind of get to know everyone ask her questions and 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 kind of delve a little deeper to what's going on obviously the atmosphere the setting is a huge part of the novel and you wrote a I imagine you you started writing it when you were there but obviously everyone knows writing such a long process that there were parts of your writing that you must have done at home during lockdown um how did you find getting back into that headspace to write as if you were in that environment yeah that's an interesting question because although I did a little bit of writing while I was there, <clears throat> excuse me, it was more um, sort of journaling my my actual experience as opposed to kind of starting to craft that, that fictional um, novel at that point. Um, so it wasn't really until lockdown hit, I was actually under contract to write some other books. So I wasn't really able to, to focus on Breathless until um, sort of midway through the first lockdown, I suppose. And um, in a way it was interesting because I was kind of cut off from any new experiences you know I wasn't able to travel anywhere new um, Nepal really was the kind of last place I'd come back from so I was kind of I did find it useful in a way lockdown I suppose because I was able to re-immerse myself in in that environment without having any distractions which is sometimes mm. what prevents me from starting a new book and I think especially when you're launching into a totally different um genre and I, I know your podcast called Confessions of a Debut Novelist and so it's sort of funny to me talk about different books that I've written but you know debuting in a new in a totally new world and the crime thriller adult world is so so different to kind of mm. the YA world um you know it was quite a terrifying leap to make and I think in a way I needed that space um to kind of really take myself away and kind of write the whole book and and really see if I could do it even as opposed to um kind of having having any real confidence in myself at that point that that it would be any good or that it would sell or you know that it, it yeah. was the right direction for me um but yeah so I was lucky I'd taken a lot of images of of Nepal and I'd, I said I'd written lots of journals and and blogs and so I was sort of able to read that back but actually it was what was interesting to me was um you know when you start off when you're trying to write a story you know a novel set in something that you've done I had to almost write a draft and then take myself out of the novel in a way because some of it was too not too close to what I what had happened but it was hard for me to think no this is you know what would Cecily do in this situation how do I make these characters feel real as opposed to just making them kind of uh sort of cardboard people that I had met on the mountain if you know what I mean so and that was that was actually a bit of a challenge to me because I didn't you know I knew it was going to work uh literally with me in the novel that it wasn't a <laughs> memoir but that was the thing you know Cecily is a different person to me and so getting her to feel really real um took a took a little while mm. um it's interesting you mentioned that your kind of note-taking started as journals because in the novel there are blog posts that um Cecily makes mm -hmm. and uh was that something did it did the novel have more of a journal feel to begin with did that was that something that changed uh 
it did have something like that. Well, it did change a little bit because what I found was that um, actually it was interesting to have the contrast between what someone like Cecily, who is a journalist and, and a kind of writer by trade and she's writing this blog post, how she would present her experience to an external reader versus mm. what was actually going on inside. And that was also kind of a tension I wanted to explore. You know, someone who was trying to uh, make out like she was, um, you know, maybe enjoying the experience more than she was, or that, you know, that these, these concerns that she were having, you know, she was trying to sort of paper over them for, for the sake of her blog post, but you kind of start to see it, uh, um, sort of seed within her kind of, uh, yeah, it's sort of, it was, it was a useful tool for me to kind of, uh, show the reader the different sides of, of, of Cecily and what she was mm. going through. Yeah. She's very much projecting, Mm -hmm. more confidence than she's feeling and we start with her in quite a low place because she's trying to prove herself by doing this climb and I'd say that her emotional journey is kind of at the heart of it as well can you speak about how she evolved as a character while you were writing it yeah definitely I mean there are certain things that I wanted to explore and certain things that, that interested me I mean one of the big ones for me is imposter syndrome and and kind of the mountain um and that mountaineering experience when you're when you're surrounded by people who have um, a lot of experience, a lot of sort of technical expertise, but also massive egos often, um, you know, and you're coming into it as sort of somewhat of a, a, a novice. I really wanted to, you know, she's very much confronted with that uh, sense of imposter syndrome all the time, you know, she, and the fact that if she was an imposter, if it wasn't just in her head and she wasn't able to do it, maybe she would be putting other people's lives in danger. And that element to it was really interesting because she had to really dig and find that confidence throughout the novel, um, find that kind of inner strength, not only to, um, you know, not only to succeed on the mountain, but also to protect herself and others around her, you know, that kind of, she kind of becomes a bit of a, you know, she, she goes on such a journey from, from a place of real insecurity to, to eventually finding that inner strength. And the stakes are even higher when she starts to realise that something's not quite right. In the novel, um, Cecily is a Chinese white woman like yourself. Did you dis make that decision because you had a desire to see that representation in a way you hadn't before? Uh, yes, partly, uh, but also I think um, even in my young adult novels, pretty much all my main characters are mixed race like I am. And I kind of feel like, um, you know, if, if, uh, if a white author can write a white protagonist every time, you know, I should be able to write mixed race. <laughs> all the time um but also i think uh that you know, those notions of duality and again the kind of um being torn between two different cultures or two different paths before you or not you know those were all things that i was interested in exploring in the book and uh it also um you know gave cecily a familiarity with um the the kind of Sherpa family that she meets and things like that that she's able to kind of connect with um and which is something I felt as well when I um went over to Nepal so I think it's just it was, it just felt very natural for me to make her um Chinese and white the same as me and it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have extra representation out there yeah <laughs> <laughs> one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Your novel contains a lot of characters going up a mountain in their, in their team, um, or several teams. Was it a challenge to create so many different characters that all have to be very fleshed out, or with their own motivations for being there, and perhaps even motives for murder? <laughs> yeah it was a bit of a challenge actually um and some of the kind of secondary characters did um their kind of nationalities and 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 um jobs kind of flip-flopped a little bit um as I was trying to figure out exactly who they were um but it was, I think I, I was listening to your podcast with Nikki May who wrote Wahala um last week and it was interesting that she said she created like a spreadsheet of her characters and I did something sort of similar which was after the first draft and uh kind of went back and those characters that I felt didn't have enough backstory or kind of didn't weren't fleshed out enough I wrote just on an A4 piece of paper you know the character name and then just wrote everything I could about their backstory and really kind of went through it um just to try and get to know those other characters better because I felt like Cecily I knew really well there are other characters I felt like I knew really well Elise I felt like I knew really well Doug who's the 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 kind of um expedition expedition leader he's not the 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 record breaker but he's the one kind of organizing the whole um expedition I felt I knew him really well but everyone else I I really wanted to flesh out more and I did that just by um answering the silly questions about them trying to get to know them and then I went back and went in my second draft really revised all of those uh conversations um all of the bits of dialogue from each one of those characters and tried to match up to what um these kind of profiles that I had created and and it really did help strengthen strengthen the book I think Mm. 
yeah and I, I guess you have to you have to put the work in to make it mm. harder as well for the reader to to figure out who who it is who the killer is yeah I mean there's a line in in the book I think that where Cecily comments you know like so many beards so many egos you know in a way <laughs> on the mountain sometimes it's difficult to kind of differentiate who all these people are but in a book obviously you need to <laughs> you need to know <laughs> yeah I guess it takes a certain type of personality to to want to take part in something like that as well so you felt like perhaps some of the characters uh, couldn't be, you couldn't have someone that that was so scared of taking part that they weren't even no. there. You know, they had to be really uh, motivated to to climb the mountain in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it was sort of digging into what each one of their motivations or their true motivations were, because obviously there's the sort of the outward motivation, whether that's for, you know, your legacy or for sponsorship or for, mm. you know, record breaking whatever it is but then it's sort of why are you really there and that was kind of the interesting question to answer for all of them because you know that's the brilliant thing about thriller and, and what I love about reading other crime thriller books is that you know you could almost almost any of them could be both murderer and victim you know if you look at them the right way you know everyone should have such a strong driving motivation mm. that that you suspect everyone you know um, so that was quite fun to play with but also very yeah. challenging as well to be. <laughs> And I'm not going to give anything away, but did you always know who the killer was going to be? I didn't. No, I didn't. Oh, wow. I, okay. Uh, no, I know. I flip-flopped on that as well. Um, and uh, it wasn't until I got to the end, because I, I, as I said, I wrote this um, sort of, I knew it was going to be a thriller, but I didn't, I wasn't very strict in my plotting <laughs> initially <laughs> because I didn't even know if I could do it you know so I was just sort of playing around with the story and it wasn't until um the sort of a, a scene in the climax where one of the you know the characters starts talking and and what and when they started talking I was like oh oh okay this is what's happening <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of a surprise to me which is which is fun you know as a writer mm. that process of discovery is quite fun as well uh and it was interesting to me when it went on submission you know, some of the editor's comments, someone was like, oh, I figured it out too easily. And then someone else was like, I had no idea until it happened. And I was like, oh, it's so hard to know, you know, what you're doing. And obviously each reader is going to come to it slightly differently. Yeah. So, so you said then that you, the, kind of the early stage of writing was kind of playing around. So uh, am I to take from that, that you're not a big planner at the start? You're, you were kind of just feel your way around to begin with? Yeah, I do. I mean, I I tend to know, I tend to know major beats. I, for my main character, at least. So I knew, I actually knew how I wanted her to to end things, and I knew kind of major major beats of the the novel. And I I do for my young adult. I um, often go to save the cat, which is you know kind of um, really useful structure for how to make sure that you're hitting the kind of um, the the yeah the beats of the novel at the, at the right time and and that you're um keeping the pace going but um generally I find it a little too restrictive to for a big um for big novels but it's a really useful framework so at a certain point I did go back and try and put Breathless into kind of a little bit of a framework just to see make sure I was um you know still writing something that was uh pacey and interesting but uh but yes I didn't plan it out very uh meticulously at all <laughs> <laughs> so we've already mentioned that um this is your first adult novel um but you've written in the past for children and young adults 
and you've said that it felt almost like starting again in some ways um so what was what have been the challenges how um how's it different in comparison to writing for those different other markets uh i would have said that the, the actual writing process itself hasn't been that different but i think um you know the crime thriller market in itself is such um an enormous kind of commercial beast especially in uk publishing it felt quite daunting to be entering that space and and kind of be uh, yeah sort of relaunching my name and uh um, you know this new book out there and I um, it was quite uh, yeah it was it was daunting and a bit intimidating um, because I thought oh am I sort of leaving behind an audience that I've that I've created and, and how's it going to be uh, starting again but I also think you kind of have to I never wanted to get pigeonholed in any kind of specific genre or or age group as a writer you know I always think in terms of career idols um, I looked people like like a Neil Gaiman or someone like that who who kind of writes whatever they want mm -hmm. and for, for whomever they want you know have middle grade have young adult have um adult novels uh, just to have that kind of creative freedom and not be not be too restrictive so it was exciting I mean I think I think I had to I stepped up my my reading game in the crime thriller genre so I really wanted to read what was out there currently and what was doing well in the market which actually for thrillers so um rewarding because you know so many of these books I would pick up and I would be finished them you know in 24 hours and I was like this is what you have to do you have to have this incredible gripping narrative that you just can't put down and that's um you know when it's done so skillfully uh you, you know you just lose hours in the pages and that was really you know a wonderful experience to have again because I think um you know, I'd kind of lost my way a bit, even when it came to reading. So it was it was really nice to kind of immerse myself in the genre. And there's so many brilliant new writers coming out as well. I mean, other than just the classics, classics of the genre. Yeah, you said the writing process was pretty similar, but did you feel like you had to adapt your style or your language? How How is that different uh, for writing for adults now? That's interesting. I mean, I was trying to think about this um, a little bit because I, I don't actually feel like I did. I mean, it's, it's not like Breathless is a, a massively um, adult novel in the sense that it's not massively, got, not got huge sex scenes in it or anything like that, which is probably <laughs> yeah. the only thing I couldn't put into my young adult. Um, I mean, in young, young adult literature now is so sophisticated and complex, um, mm. you know, uh, apart from extremely graphic sex, there isn't really much you can't do in, in young adult. Um, at the moment um, and some of the best young adult writers are kind of pushing those boundaries and and even middle grade um, so my series just before Breathless called Jinxed it came out as a young adult novel in the UK and as a middle grade novel in the US so I feel like I just write the books as they as I want them to be and then someone else tells me that they're for one particular audience <laughs> or another um, obviously the age of the main character is probably the biggest thing. I mean, Cecily is very firmly an adult. You know, she's got mm. adult uh, worries, financial uh, relationships, as I say, career, imposter syndrome. She's just not sure what she's doing. Um, so that's different to what my my um, young adult main characters are dealing with, just generally more sort of Bildungsroman, you know, looking for who they are as people and, and what they're gonna be when they grow up kind of thing, those questions. Um, Cecily knows what she wants to be. She just isn't sure she's gonna achieve it. And that in itself is quite terrifying, you know, when you feel like um, you just aren't achieving or, or you know, when you just 
can't seem to find your footing and uh, and it's very disconcerting because you have to you have to support yourself and uh, she's really on very unstable ground at the start of the novel um and so yeah that was different to to explore but as I said it wasn't like I mean a thriller set on a high altitude base camp couldn't be couldn't have a teenage protagonist really mm. um so so it was just the story that lent itself to to the age group as opposed to the actual writing of it I never really particularly censor myself for for young adult or or change it or or write you know and don't try and moralize or anything my children's yeah. books or anything like that so so um so it didn't feel that different uh yeah so when you spoke to your agent about wanting to write an adult book was that quite a straightforward conversation she's actually so my agent is Juliette Mushins uh Mushins Entertainment and she had uh always wanted me to write an adult book um she's always encouraged me to do it but I had always pushed back because I never felt like I'd had the right idea and like I said you know the adult market it is bigger than the children's market that you know from a commercial sense it's bigger and I just felt like if I wanted to really make my mark on in an uh in this new age group (laughs) you know in, in adult fiction that I would have to have to be the right story so um over the years, I have approached her with various different ideas. Um, none of them, interestingly, a thriller, but none, but hadn't quite been right. Um, but she was always very encouraging of me, you know, when I got to that point that um, that I should do it. And in fact, I have a little WhatsApp message thread which shows the exact inception of Breathless. Oh wow! Which was yeah, when I was on Manaslu, I had a small group of friends who wanted updates on the journey but because the internet was so terrible rather than update everyone one by one I just sent a message out to the group and then they would sort of chat around me um and I was having trouble with one of the other people on the mountain a man on the mountain um with unwanted sexual advances and comments and just things that were being really unsettling and disconcerting to me on the mountain and I was venting to um this group of whatsapp friends uh, which included Juliet, and uh, one of them said, oh, that's so frustrating, you know, can't you just push him down a crevasse type thing? <laughs> As a joke, and I was like, oh my God, wouldn't that be brilliant? Maybe I can do it in a novel. And then and then someone said, oh yes, murder on the mountain. And then Juliet was like, this is the perfect thriller. And then I have it, have it saved kind of thing. So that was really kind of where it all kicked off. So she's always been super encouraging mm-hmm. and um she was pitching, she was pitching Breathless to people before I'd even finished it. And I was like, Juliet, calm down. She's like, no, I know it's going to be good. This is going to be the one. And so mm. anyway, she was like, got to trust her instincts. <laughs> I feel like you need to get that message framed or something, you know? <laughs> I know I do. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so you've talked about when you were deciding to write a thriller that you kind of immersed yourself in uh, literature that, that kind of appealed to you with that theme and that genre can you think of any kind of comparison books that maybe you think readers who enjoyed them would really like breathless as well yeah well I've always loved Ruth Ware also because she's made a transition from young adult writing to um to adult thrillers so I read one by one which was her kind of snowy avalanche uh thriller set on ski resort I thought that was extremely clever sort of in a similar vein to uh Shiver by Ali Reynolds as well which I thought was brilliant again she Ali Reynolds was a um British snowboard athlete 
And uh, so she's got that kind of personal experience to bring to that story as well. So I thought that was really good comparison. Um, yeah, and, and they both just write really twisty, but very, um, you know, when you read it back, it's always so grounded in the characters, you know, you could suddenly, the reveal is such a surprise, but when you go back and see how they've done it, it was all really cleverly set up. So I really love that. And you've mentioned you think there are similarities between mountaineering and writing. So what are the aspects that you think echo each other? Well, I always laugh because um, sometimes they, they, people like to say that millennials like things to happen instantly. But um, <laughs> as a novelist and a mountaineer, I can say that I, I don't like anything to happen instantly. I seem to only do very long term pursuits. Um, you know, I think I think where mountaineering and writing uh the, the thing they have most in common is that it requires quite a lot of mental resilience. <laughs> um, that sort of willingness to keep going um, when you feel like you want to give up, quite frankly. You know, there's so many times when I'm sort of hit the really meaty part of a novel, you know, sort of 50, 60,000 words in, and I just think, oh God, this is awful and it's never going to be finished. And, um, you know, just being able to keep on going get to the end, you know, one foot after the other, I say in mountaineering or, or one word after the next, you know, actually just, you know, get, go having a beginning, middle and end of a book, that's an achievement of itself, you know? And so that's mm -hmm. what I think, um, I think that's what mountaineering writing have, have in common and have how they complement each other. I think, I think without having had that um, mental resilience that I've built up through years of of writing novels I'm not sure that I would have been able to be so successful in the mountains and then vice versa I think now that mountaineering has shown me that I'm sort of more capable than I previously believed and it's given me more confidence on the writing side. And you mentioned in your short film that uh, when you were sort of in a, at a crossroads in your life you took to walking and then obviously the mountaineering came from that. Do you find that those periods of your um, life when you're climbing or when you're walking uh, is that an environment that affords you the time to think about your writing or is it more an escape from it yeah I I mean I do think about my writing a lot when I'm on the mountain in fact when I came down from um, Aconcagua which is the highest mountain in South America there's a long eight hour walk out out of base camp back to the main road where you can kind of get a bus back into Mendoza. And at that point you've, you've done the mountain, you know, you've either summited or you haven't. And uh, this long eight hour walk through basically very um, desert-like terrain. It's not very interesting. It's often extremely windy. It's quite arduous because you're already exhausted because you've spent so much time on the mountain. And the way that I got through it was just by, by, by living in my character's worlds for, for a few hours. I just was, I find what I love about writing for me is that um, I almost feel like when I'm writing, I'm like channeling a kind of, the, that the story is playing out somewhere in another world or another timeline and I'm just the channel for it. And I kind of, sometimes I tune into that channel and it's crystal clear and I'm just watching it unfold and I'm just the, the conduit for that story to be written down onto paper. And so I'm quite a visual, um, visual writer in that sense mm. in that I am actually see it being played out in my head and that's how I it never quite matches up in that first draft which is the most <laughs> frustrating part but eventually you know I'm trying to get to that platonic ideal of the story that's in my that's playing in my head um so often those kind of long walks where um 
you know, obviously often the, the scenery is visually stunning and, and stimulating, but if it's not, you know, even just the, the process of walking helps me, helps my mind to kind of separate from itself, I suppose, and, and really uh, focus in on, on whatever story I'm thinking about at that time. So I do find it useful. And that's what the beauty of lockdown for me was, you know, I wasn't, when I was getting too stir crazy at home, I would just go for long walks around my neighborhood. And that was sort of my, my relief. That was the, the thing that I could do was just even just getting out to nature a little bit, even mm. if it was just my local park, <laughs> just <laughs> sitting for a while in my local park that helped. Yeah. Getting out of a different headspace. Yeah. And I mean, it's challenging because I've, I've always used travel to inspire me, but when I couldn't travel, obviously still needed to find inspiration if I needed mm. to, to to get my job done so I had to kind of look for inspiration in other ways and other places and a bit closer to home so. yeah um I know you've got you must have a huge wealth of uh experience and tips and advice collected over the years of working in the publishing industry and um pub in publishing yourself can you think of maybe three top tips that you could give to other writers working on a novel yeah, sure. I mean, I think um, my top tip is always about persistence. Um, like, like I said about the similarities between mountaineering and writing, I think um, the capacity to, to, to not give up uh, if, if it's what you want to do, um, even if it's not that first book that you write, you know, sometimes it's not the second, but you just, if you keep on creating, I really do believe that, that people will get there. Um, and it's the you know, it's the ones who've, as I said, completed a first draft, beginning, middle and end, you know, you're already way ahead of so many people. And I think that um, that, that persistence is key. Uh, reading, as my second tip, you know, often I talk to writers and, and reading seems like such an obvious tip, but actually reading what is, what is currently out there and, and happening in the market that you want to join. You know, so often when I talk to young adult writers, you know, they've read The Hunger Games and, and mm. you know, they've read Harry Potter or they've read, um, you know, Divergent or something like that. And they're all great books, but they're not what's happening in young adult right now. And there are so many brilliant writers out there who are doing, pushing the boundaries, doing something new. And that's the market that you're entering. And the same with crime thriller, you know, you could, of course you should have a great background in the classics, but actually reading those, reading the debuts that are coming out, reading the, you know, the, the authors who are writing right now, I think is, is really key um, to kind of knowing knowing what you're getting into, but also just realizing how the, how the genre has shifted or how mm. the market has shifted. I think it's, it's vital. Um, and then number three, I think my top tip is to find that, find your people, I suppose, you know, find that those other writers, whether that's um, people that you meet in person or, or online. Um, I think having people who are going through the same journey as you, it's, it's such a, specific and weird world the publishing world and, and I know for me you know our group of debut authors for 2022 has been you know a lifeline but also some of the you know the writers that I met at the very beginning of my children's and young adult journey have come have come along with me and and it's just um you know those are the people who really understand what you're going through and I think mm -hmm. sometimes you really need that before we go I know just before we started recording you were talking about working on something so I wondered whether you can share <laughs> what you're writing now yeah sure so um I'm writing again a kind of uh, a, a thriller but set in an extreme environment this time Antarctica 
and it follows my um, my main character who's again going through quite a tumultuous period in her life and she gets this opportunity kind of at the last minute to get on board a ship bound for Antarctica and she's originally supposed to go there with her husband but her husband um, they have a falling out and she ends up being the only one to go on the ship so she's given a separate cabin she's put in with another group of of um, uh, of women on their own uh, and the original cabin she was supposed to share with her husband the couple who are in there end up dead and mm -hmm. she suddenly thinks that maybe her and her husband were the original targets and she ends up kind of on the run in Antarctica where unlike a lot of Antarctic novels um, which is set in the kind of endless darkness uh, this is set in kind of the endless daylight so she there's no escape there's no sleep and uh, the book is tentatively called Restless. Um, <laughs> but I'm a bit hesitant about getting stuck into a kind of uh, formula for my titles and then I'll end up like book five and I'll have to call it like plotless or pointless. <laughs> <laughs> um, for now that's what I'm working on in it. And uh, it, was, it was, has been a little bit of a struggle to write while, um, you know, while the, the debut add-on, you know, while Breathless is coming out because mm. it's been, really exciting time but also quite uh, intense and quite stressful and you know I really want to focus on making Breathless uh, the biggest success it could be so um, the second novel has gone on the back burner a little bit but I'll be back to it full force next week. <laughs> well it sounds fantastic and I wish you all the luck with Breathless as well. Thank you so much Amy for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me Chloe it's been great. That was Amy McCulloch talking about her thriller Breathless which is out now and available to buy. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you're subscribed already, please consider leaving a review. See you next time.